Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. We have reached agreement to extend the debt ceiling through early December. The majority didn't have a plan to prevent default, so we stepped forward. The pathway our Democratic colleagues have accepted will spare the American people any near-term crisis. I think this makes no sense. Putting it in December is another train wreck we've got to deal with that probably empowers Schumer more than us. So I think this is overall a bad decision. I understand why Republican leadership blinked, but I wish they hadn't. I wish they hadn't because I believe we were on the verge of victory. Chuck Schumer won this game of chicken. As two trucks drove towards each other on a country road, one or the other was going to turn or you were going to have a lot of dead chickens. I wish Republicans hadn't blinked. We shouldn't have done that. Uh, uh, Ted, 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 I don't think you understand how chicken works. So yeah, it's, got, it's got nothing to do with chickens. Before we get into the actual uh, nitty gritty on this. Um, it would appear to me that Ted Cruz, <laughs> his whole life has thought the game of chicken involves chickens. Right. Two chicken <laughs> trucks go at each other, and if nobody steers apart, all the chickens die. <laughs> what? what? No, no, that Ted, there's so no hilarious. chickens involved. It's, are you a chicken? Oh, it's, and it's also idiotic and suicidal. So the super smart debate team nerd who went to Princeton and was a national champion from Texas is trying to, like, use some sort of cultural reference Texans would get, but doesn't have any idea what the game of chicken is. I just find that funny. You're going to have yeah. a lot of dead chickens. No, 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 Ted. Hey, there are no chickens involved in a game of chicken, all right? You're not going to believe what I have to tell you about Leapfrog. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. What an odd guy. <laughs> anyway, to get to the meat of it, our Lindsey Graham, and we'll play more from him, but Lindsey Graham... And Ted Cruz, are they just playing to a certain segment of the Republican Party? Um, uh, You know, um, Sean Hannity, uh, when this was announced, that Mitch McConnell blinked, if you want to call it that, caved, if you want to call it that, that uh, Sean Hannity said, Mitch McConnell's got to go. Donald Trump said, Mitch McConnell's got to go. So are, are Lindsey and Ted just playing to that crowd, or, or or do you understand why Mitch did this? Because I don't quite understand. It seemed to me that the Republicans had a Demo- the Democrats over a barrel in the same way that Democrats have had Republicans over a barrel in recent times, and the Democrats all voted against it, including right. your current president. Right. Yeah. Well, I just came across some analysis in the WAPO. Um, Senate Democrats uh, accepted the deal, crowing that it represented a Republican capitulation. McConnell caved, announced uh, Elizabeth Warren. But the political scorekeeping behind the deal, which passed Thursday night, is not quite so simple. Like most deals on Capitol Hill, the agreement to punt the debt limit battle into December reflects a convergence of interests that is not always obvious in the heat of the moment. And like most deals on Capitol Hill, it leaves mixed feelings on both sides of the aisle, etc., I, you know, I sometimes, and I'm not sure, honestly, because I haven't been following this because it's all political theater, and we knew what the, the oh, outcome yeah. was oh, going to yeah, be. Yeah, we yeah. said it over and over again. That's very important to mention and can't be uh, stated loudly enough. The outcome, regardless of the maneuverings that we're talking about, was never in doubt. God dang it. The endless Janet Yellen, Treasury Secretary, says the stock market would crash and everyone's 401k will go to zero. If we, But we're not going to default on our debt. So why are we having 
this conversation. Right. And what happens in a lot of cases, uh, getting back to Ted Cruz's, the, the, the non-hilarious part of Ted Cruz's comment, and, and Lindsey Graham's all uh, peeved. We can play you more of his. Bless my soul. Um, anyway, <laughs> a, a, lot, a lot of times what you get is Mitch McConnell say, all right, who's in a safe district and isn't up for re-election for another uh, five and a half years? Okay. Uh, hey, hey, you you seven, uh, give me a yes vote so we can get this under out of the way. And then the rest of you, 43, can howl about how it's a terrible and a betrayal of all that is holy. Um, so your people think you're a hard-fighting conservative, and these people who voted for it, nobody will remember it by the time you're up for re-election. So, right. Which is true. That happens a lot. And I just I wonder what's going on with that. But know. since uh, that you didn't need to have Republican votes for it to pass, why did the Mitch McConnell decide to go along? I don't know. Um, Senator Kevin Kramer, who's a Republican from North Dakota, said, I think there are plenty of respectable reasons to be a yes. He went so far as to call the move elegant only hours before voting against advancing the deal. Uh, yeah, I don't I don't know. Uh, so what was the motivation for the Republicans? Um, I'm scanning this article. I can't I can't come up with it. I don't know. I don't know. I don't care much. No, I don't, I don't. I don't either. I'm apathetic. I don't either. There's there's some uh, there's some strategy there, but I don't know exactly what it was. Um. So Schumer gave a very partisan speech. He's the leader of the Senate. You know what I've learned from Rachel Maddow recently that I think she's really good at, and might be one of the reasons she's the most watched show on her channel. She with every story, she does the opposite of what a lot of cable news hosts do, um, and certainly radio hosts. She assumes her listeners don't have any idea who anybody is all the time. And I think mm-hmm. that's a really good idea because most of y'all don't follow this stuff that closely. And you shouldn't. Some of you are political junkies to the point that you can use shorthand on everybody's names or bills or whatever like that. But I think Rachel Maddow is right. And uh, I, I, I want to do more often of, you know, filling in who these people are. So uh, Chuck Schumer is the uh, majority leader in the Senate. He's a Democrat. And he gave a really partisan speech yesterday about about the Republicans, you know, willing to destroy America and gamble with our sovereignty and all this different crap. Um, that was all just BS. And I thought it was interesting that Joe Manchin, another Democrat, who's the one that's going to stop the Make Us France bill from passing, thank God. Uh, afterward, outside the chamber, Manchin condemned his own leader's speech, saying, I don't think it was appropriate at this time. We have to de-weaponize. We can't be playing politics. None of us can on both sides. Civility is gone. He's he's a dying breed, and and, and he can do that because he's so incredibly safe. Um, he's got a high approval rating in his state, and people like him, so he can say these things out loud. But he's absolutely right. It just we we gotta we gotta quit. We gotta quit with the whole demonizing the other side all the time. It's it's not going to end well. And what's really strange about that is that uh, Mitch McConnell, according to plenty of people, made it easier on the Democrats by reaching this agreement. He right. could have really, sure. it really, you know, made them take difficult, embarrassing votes. And he let them off the hook for reasons that are still unclear to me. I don't care that much, but um, I, I don't get why he did it. But having done it, then uh, his counterpart on the Democratic side, uh, the leader of the majority, just a tap danced all over the Republicans' imaginary grave and was crowing about how they were defeated and we showed them and the rest of it. 
having been let off the hook for some reason. This is Chuck Schumer is a congenital liar. I mean, if he tells the truth, it's purely an accident. He is an evil blot upon the earth. And, and as soon as he's out of the Senate, it'll be a brighter day for America. I don't care who he's replaced by. Well, I don't know what Mitch McConnell's uh, motivation was. I don't know what his theory is. I'll, his, I'll tell you what his theory was not. He's not a secret Democrat or something like that. So there's there's something going on there. But here's Lindsey Graham on Sean Hannity last night. Changing at the last minute, using the excuse of changing the filibuster, has made us less effective in the body. The Democrats are going to look at us differently. And the people that we represent are incredibly disappointed. And there was no reason to do this. Don't say things that you can't deliver on. We could have delivered on this. We chose not to. This is coming up again in December. And if we do this again in December, we will shoot ourselves in the head as a party. Yeah, maybe that's McConnell's plan. Maybe for some reason he believes he's going to have a greater pressure point in December uh, over this than now. I, I don't know. I do want to get, and Lindsey Graham, by the way, I don't know if he knows how the game of chicken works, but he does know what an apple teeny is, I'm guessing. So, <laughs> wow. Um, well, I'm not sure what that meant, folks, but anyway. I, I wonder if he, uh, McConnell's counting on uh, Biden's approval ratings getting even lower and people learning more and more about the Francification bill or something. Could be, could be. Um, I do want to get to this. Speaking of the Francification bill, this is uh, Chris Wallace on Fox talking about the whole the bill is free. It's paid for thing. So I've been in Washington <clears throat> for more than 40 years, and this might be the dumbest spin line I've ever heard that a three trillion dollar bill costs nothing because you're going to pay for it. That's I mean, I don't know when you bought your last car and you paid for it. Did you think? Well, I got that for free. That costs nothing. No, you paid for it. Hmm. Wow. Chris Wallace, who's famously probably the least conservative person on Fox News, the dumbest spin he's ever heard. I don't know. I don't know if I agree with that. I think it's worked pretty well. I've heard it repeated over and over and over on your MSNBC, CNN crowd. And for anybody taking in their news, that's half the country on that side. It makes perfectly good sense. Well, the DNC actually puts out talking points. I mean, they f- physically send out the memos. You get them in your inbox, and you as a loyal CNN newsreader, you repeat those ad nauseum, and oh. that was clearly the talking point. Oh, it's, I'm not sure it's persuading people. It's, it's a lie. It's, it's crazies. It's bonkers. It's stupid. But yeah. I think it might have been. I don't think it was stupid spin. I think it was hmm. probably pretty good spin. Um, uh, I think the people that recognize, and this will be my last word on it, and I'll shut up about it. I think the people. I'll give you the last word. I think the people in politics that have completely embraced, look, our side is only getting information from our side. Don't worry. You don't have to make an argument against the other side. They don't even, they won't even hear that. I think the people on both sides that have embraced that are, are winning the day. I think you're probably right. You're and overthinking it if you need to figure out a way to push back against X argument. They don't even know that X argument exists. Well, goodbye, sweet America. Oh, yeah. Goodbye, civilization. Yeah. Aren't you glad you tuned in? What show do you listen to? I want, I listen to the one that says civilization's coming to an end. Makes oh, me yeah. want to put my head in the oven. You know, some That's... days I'm sad. Some days I'm angry, but I'm always sad or angry. <laughs> Especially heading into a weekend. That's what I like. I'm, I like to be <laughs> sangry on Fridays. <laughs> Oh, if you miss an hour, you're not depressed enough. (laughs) Get the podcast at armstrongandgetty.com. Armstrong and Getty.
today that I'm not smart enough to know what it means is uh, the economy added only 194,000 jobs in September. They were expecting about a half a million. So that's way below expectations. Um, I don't quite get the expectation game, but that usually causes the stock market to get rattled. So I was just going to say, did they ever go back to the people whose expectations were way too high and, and ask them about it? And do those experts ever say, you know... I'd had a couple of drinks. I was starting to get a lot. You know how you get really enthusiastic about an idea? that My my expectations were too high. I apologize. Yeah, what, what if your expectations were wrong or unrealistic? Economists are wrong all the freaking time. That's what I don't get. Um, and, and I also like the fact that unemployment fell from 5.2% to 4.8%. Well, the fact that we have 10 million empty jobs... Do we need to create a lot more? <laughs> ten I, realize, million, I realize economists are thinking, you stupid idiots, ten shut million, up. Ten million empty jobs. I don't know. Screw you, economists. You're wrong all the time, as I just said. A ten million, How dare you, sir? Ten million empty jobs and eight million people working looking for work. I just I don't quite understand that, but uh, a couple other things to mention. Hey, look, who just bought this $20.9 million Beverly Hills mansion? Wow, is that a good-looking place? Well, it ought to be for $21 million. The son of Afghanistan's former defense minister. Huh. How did he end up so wealthy? Well, he's done well in his work. He's invested wisely. He's a saver. As Joe Biden pointed out, we were spending $300 million a day. Is that the number? Over 20 years to get to that many trillion dollars? Somebody was getting all that money. And apparently the defense minister of Afghanistan took a chunk, and his son bought a $21 million Beverly Hills Mansion. That's all you need to know about that. How much money were we funneling into the famously corrupt Afghan military? I mean, can you? that had to be the best gig in the country. Right. Defense minister, are you kidding? If you siphoned off $1 out of every 100, 1%, well, your kid would be buying $21 million Beverly Hills Mansions. That's what, what would happen. So if you've ever vacationed in California, it's quite possible you've gone to see the giant sequoias. Of course, if you're a Californian, there's a good chance you haven't seen them because of the weird thing we've discussed before about how you don't go to see things where you live. I know right. I know all kinds of New Yorkers that have never been to the Statue of Liberty. People travel from around the planet to see it. But if you live in Hoboken, New Jersey, you don't bother. Right. Even though you can see it when you walk out your front Isn't that weird? I know so many people that, uh, San Francisco people that California's never ridden a cable car. People come from all over the world to ride a cable car. It's just weird. You don't do what's local. But anyway, uh, uh, hundreds of the giant sequoias may have been killed by the California wildfires. Things were 2,000 years old. Wow. Uh, that's, uh, yeah. Wow. Makes me happy. I don't know yeah, what to that, do about it. That's crazy. I just became aware of oak trees that are hundreds of years old. And thought, wow, that's just crazy. That oak, that oak tree was there during the revolution, yeah, stuff like that. I know, it's cool. The, the, the sequoias laugh at those oak trees. They call them babies. So, uh, two, two stories I saw back-to-back on the Twitter feed, the L.A. Times, with transgender Netflix workers have had it with Dave Chappelle's comedy special, and I don't know if that means they're quitting or... So don't watch it. Just pressuring their bosses. And then TMZ reporting, Dave Chappelle mocks cancel culture at the premiere of his new documentary and gets a standing ovation. Yeah. There's yeah. way more of the crowd giving him a standing ovation than there is of the woke crowd that wants him canceled but 
still interested to see, and we'll probably know in the next 72 hours if Netflix caves or not, if they come under enough pressure from GLAAD and Twitter and all the other activists. I read an account of Dave Chappelle's uh, live gig there in L.A., and uh, and one of the things that they pointed out was that both his last special and this one on Rotten Tomatoes, the critics' ratings are very low. And Chappelle, uh, he uh, crosses lines that should not be crossed. We don't approve at all. See, the intelligentsia. Meanwhile, the audience ratings, 99%, 97%. Yeah, Netflix. Couldn't is, love it more. And Netflix threw like $100 million at him. They're not stupid. Uh, they know how popular he is, so it'll be interesting to see how that turn out. Sp- speaking of uh, Netflix, I should mention, it's like I'm getting paid to mention Squid Game. Uh, <laughs> I think I've mentioned it every day this week. It, it's the number one show in 70 countries. Wow. Which is really quite astounding, and it just came out a couple of weeks ago. Uh, season one's out nine episodes. I watched episode two last night, and I just got to say, and I don't want to give anything away, but it's way more sophisticated than I thought it was after episode one. Hmm. Um, it is, it's, it's really interesting about poverty and how people, the pressures you put yourself under by screwing up your life and everything like that, uh, whether well, ga- gambling or financial investments or whatever. Obviously, it has a universal appeal if it's that popular in that many countries. Yeah, it's interesting. So we're talking about transgender and Netflix. Jack says, speaking of Netflix, well, I'm going to say speaking of transgender issues, medical professionals who are transgender are openly questioning gender reassignment for anybody who's not an adult. Interesting. We can talk more about that? We are. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. New tensions between the U.S. and China over the island nation of Taiwan. The Wall Street Journal reporting for at least a year, dozens of special force operators backed by Marines have been on the island, training ground forces there, especially regarding coastal activities. The Pentagon had no comment except that its forces are aimed at securing peace, security, and stability in the Indo-Pacific. Yeah, so I thought that was interesting news, and I hope that uh, leaked out on purpose and not like something we were trying to keep secret. Uh, who knows which, but we got special ops people on the ground in Taiwan training their forces. Hmm. So there you go. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm just noodling through. I I suspect we let that out intentionally. Hope so. Send a message to the Chinese. Not only are we training them up, but we got a lot of our folks on the ground. Yeah. So, so if you went ahead and attack now, you kill a bunch of Marines, and that wouldn't be good. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So a complete change of topic here. I uh, I found the summary of this uh, article, uh, but then uh, uh, sought out the long version. The long version is absolutely terrific. Um, it's on Barry Weiss's Substack uh, by Abigail Schreier, who's written a couple of books about transgender issues and that sort of thing, and has been painted as a transphobe and a hater and the rest of it. Well, she writes the books, and they're very popular and well-regarded, but they're not sold on Amazon. Right. Even though all she's asking is for data and responsibility and restraint and suggested that the whole transgender thing uh, in terms of uh, treating children has gotten out of control. Well, here's what she writes, and, and there's a punchline coming, and it's a big one. 
For nearly a decade, the vanguard of the transgender rights movement, doctors, activists, celebrities, transgender influencers, has defined the boundaries of the new orthodoxy surrounding transgender medical care. What's true? What's false? Which questions can and cannot be asked? They said it was perfectly safe to give children as young as nine puberty blockers and insisted that the effects of those blockers were fully reversible. They'd said it was an, uh, the job of medical professionals to help minors to transition. They said it was not their job to question the wisdom of transitioning and that anyone who did, including parents, was probably transphobic. They said any worries about a social conti- a contagion among teen girls was nonsense. And they never said anything about the distinct possibility that blocking puberty coupled with cross-sex hormones could inhibit a normal sex life. And then they talk about, uh, she talks about their allies in media and the Hollywood who, who repeated the orthodoxy and anyone who dared disagree or depart from any of the core tenets, including, by the way, young women who publicly detransitioned. Even they were inevitably smeared as hateful and accused of harming young children. But the new orthodoxy has gone too far, according to two of the most prominent providers in the field of transgender medicine. Dr. Marcy Bowers, world-renowned surgeon specialist, and Erica Anderson, clinical psychologist at the University of California, San Francisco's Child and Adolescent Gender Clinic. Now, here's the punchline. In the course of their careers, both have seen thousands of patients. Both are board members of the World Professional Association for Transgender Health, the organization that sets standards, and both are transgender women. Earlier this month, Anderson told me she submitted a co-authored op-ed to the New York Times warning that many transgender healthcare providers were treating kids recklessly. Oh, boy. The Times passed, explaining it's outside our coverage policies and priorities right now. Over the past few weeks, I've spoken at length to both women about the current direction of their field and, and where they feel it has gone wrong. Uh, on some issues, including their stance on puberty blockers, they raised concerns that appear to question the current health guidelines uh, set by that uh, the, that organization I told you about. Um, for instance, WPATH, WPATH, recommends that for many transgender, dysphoric, and gender nonconforming kids, hormonal puberty suppression begins at the early stages of puberty. They've insisted since 2012 that puberty blockers are fully reversible interventions. When I asked Anderson if she believes that psychological effects of puberty blockers are reversible, she said, I'm not sure. When asked whether children in the early stages of puberty should be put on blockers, Bowers said, I am not a fan. When I asked Bowers if she still thought puberty blockers were a good idea from a surgical perspective, she said, this is typical of medicine. We zig and then we zag. And I think maybe we zigged a little too far left in some cases. I think there was naivete on the part of the pediatric endocrinologists who are proponents of early puberty blocking think that this magic, that this magic can happen, that surgeons can do anything. I asked Bowers whether she believed WPATH had been welcoming to a wide variety of doctors' viewpoints, including those concerned about risks, skeptical of puberty blockers, and maybe even critical of some of the surgical procedures. Quote, there are definitely people who are trying to keep out anyone who doesn't absolutely buy the party line that everything should be affirming and that there's no room for dissent. I think that's a mistake. It is almost without doubt, I think, that we're going to look back on this period like other periods in history, we look back on and we think, how the hell did that happen? How did that craze catch on? Uh, we're going to look back on this period of time when we were doing this to little kids and think, what the hell? It, it, you're absolutely right. It, this will be seen as a, a dark, dark age of abusing children 
in my opinion. With all due respect to those uh, adults who decide to go ahead and do this, it's your it's your decision. It's up to you. It's your life. Go live it. And I wish you nothing but health and happiness. But to do this to children, since nearly seven in ten children initially diagnosed with gender dysphoria eventually outgrow it or go on to become lesbian or gay adults, the conventional wisdom held that with a little patience, most kids would come to accept their bodies. The underlying assumption was that children didn't always know best. But over the last decade, watchful waiting has been supplanted by affirmative care, which assumes children do know best, and they ought to go ahead and authorize mutilating surgery on themselves. You know, my, I got I got a kid that's got uh, all kinds of um, um, issues that he's dealing with and we're trying to deal with. I guarantee you, and he's trying to figure out, you know, a way to be happy. I guarantee you that if I'd have wanted to, and started a couple of years ago, I could have convinced him, hey, here's what your problem is. You're actually a woman. Let's get this done. Yeah. And everything will be good. I know I could have convinced him of that if I wanted to do that. And you got parents doing that. And, you know, another aspect of this that I think is ironic and awful is and and it was referred to in that last paragraph that many go on to be lesbian or gay adults. You have a kid, a child, thinking, "I don't feel like a boy," meaning like the other boys or like I perceive a boy should feel. And then he gets put on the all too fast moving uh, uh, conveyor belt of transgender mania, and all of a sudden, instead of realizing, oh. I'm an effeminate boy. I'm an effe- I will be an effeminate man. I'm attracted to men. Instead of that, adults whisk him along and say, "We need to. We need to carve up your body. We need to change. You're not a man. You're a woman." Which is a weird and somewhat ironic insistence that there can't be girlish men, effeminate men, right. effeminate gay men. What are you talking about? I thought you people were like pro-gay rights, and now anybody who dares express that they're an effeminate man, you want to carve them up? I'm, uh, maybe this will happen over time, because probably politically it's been difficult to do, but I'm surprised there's not more of a movement among you know, the more effeminate end of gay men to say, hold on, wait a second. Yeah, you're right. You're right. By the way, the uh, use of puberty blockers can be traced to the Netherlands in the 90s. This uh, They cite this Peggy Cohen-Katenis, a uh, psychologist in Amsterdam, who helped to raise awareness about the potential benefits of blockers and pharmaceutical companies happy to fund studies, and what's called the Dutch Protocol was born. The thinking was, why make a child who suffered with gender dysphoria since preschool endure puberty with all its discomforts and embarrassments if that child were likely to transition as a young adult? Researchers believe blockers' effects were reversible just in case the kid did not ultimately transition. Oh, boy. But this very psychologist later grew doubtful about that initial assessment. Quote, it is not clear yet how pubertal suppression will influence brain development, she wrote in 06. Well, at least the experiments were only on children that will affect them for the rest of their lives. Yeah. Yeah. This is unbelievable. You know, Dr. Savage often said uh, liberalism is a mental disorder. I think your hardcore progressive type these days who wants a suspension of the First Amendment, they want to to, to whisk kids along on this surgery conveyor belt. Um, I could listen, list half a dozen other issues. I think they actually are troubled. They are delusional to the point that it's, it's a neurosis, at least. It is a mental disorder. So what did Matthew McConaughey call a bag of rats? No, not the new Lincoln. 
What did Matthew McConaughey call a bag of rats? But first, we need to tell you about this. Wow. Yeah, Simply Safe Home Security's got a, a great new wireless outdoor security. Ca- I call it a bag of rats. Sack of rats? I don't know. What's the right answer? Anyway, Simply Safe's the system that U.S. News and World Report names the best home security system of 2021. Got even better. This wireless outdoor security camera is incredibly impressive. Did you catch this? The best, not like pretty good for the cost or anything, the best home security system is this one from Simply Safe, which is really, really cool. Anyway, uh, you got to get this camera that goes with it and it sim- very simply integrates with the system you hopefully already have or are going to get. The ultra wide 140 degree field of view. You can keep watch over your entire yard. 1080 HD resolution, eight times zoom. So you can zoom in on faces and license plates and that sort of stuff. Very, very cool. Built in spotlight, night vision. This thing is great and you're going to like it. So this is what you do. You just go to simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. What's more, Simply Safe is celebrating this new camera by offering 20% off your entire new system, and your first month of monitoring services are free when you enroll in interactive monitoring. Again, that's simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. So Matthew McConaughey said, because he's been throwing around his name for running for governor of Texas a lot lately, and people have been wondering if he's going to jump in, and mm-hmm. there's some belief that in these modern times, a politician like him, celebrity, is unbeatable. I think that may be true. It's horrifying. Um, oh, that's ridiculous. I actually heard a uh, a good podcast the other day. Um, Donald Trump, you know, the the, the, the whole, the, the celebrity, Arnold Schwarzenegger, the celebrity uh, running for governor, unbeatable. Donald Trump, the celebrity running for president. You know, what that did to the party, just so hard to take on. And how the Democrats are going to have their moment, guaranteed. Oprah Winfrey, Tom Hanks, somebody is going to jump into that on the left and the Democrats are going to say lose complete control of their party to one of these celebrities at some point. It's just, I mean, it's just inevitable. Anyway, Matthew Matthew McConaughey, who's been throwing around running for governor, said politics is a bag of rats. That's, that's a, a critique, I believe. A criticism? Yes, it's hard to imagine who would want a bag of rats. I haven't looked into what the context of that is, but it's certainly uh, could I could believe that. People started throwing around his name. He thought maybe he'd look into it a little bit. And as he's gotten closer to it and been in more meetings with more people, he's decided this is just. We've known people like that. They kind of got into politics and they immediately say, oh, it's terrible. You can't even imagine. Well, right. You're interested in in policy and in the, the country and your state or whatever. And you imagine it is the way school books portray it when, in fact, it is just an absolutely morally bankrupt den of thieves God, I, or I a bag of rats we know a guy who got in a local race and i remember running into the mall and i, I don't want to give anything away because he didn't want it to be shared but i said so how's it going he said politics is so much worse than you can even imagine as he'd gotten into a, a you know running for election politics for the first time at a high level oh my god yikes uh anyway yikes byron york washington examiner with a really interesting thing on trump if he decides to run or is running, that I think we should touch on briefly. Briefly, at least. Our text line is 415-295-KFTC. Armstrong and Getty. The 
Armstrong and Getty Show. Hi, how are you? I'm sorry. I got to do this. Oh, okay. oh. I guess I can't physically stop you. Uh, now, hey, don't get on the sign. I'm not. I just said don't get on the I'm not sign. On it. I'm not on it. I can see you. <laughs> I can see you. Wait, wait, I'm going to zoom in. Hold up. All right, you're good. All right. I'm not on it. Yeah. Man going through Taco Bell drive through sits on menu sign to get photo. I suppose that's a posted on Snapchat or something sort of deal. This is the latest TikTok challenge. Yeah, it's a viral video. Two guys going through a drive through Guy gets out of the driver's seat, goes and has to get a picture. The other guy takes a photo. Don't sit on the sign. I'm not. I'm looking at you. You are. I can see you. <laughs> All right. If I'm the working the window at Taco Bell, get on the sign. Don't get on the sign. I just hand food out the window. That's my job. Here's your really low-level grub. Now get out of here. <laughs> Here's change back on your dollar. Enjoy dinner. <laughs> um. <laughs> uh. Here's your quote-unquote beef burrito. <laughs> Oh, easy now. So, Byron York, who is a conservative-ish writer for um, the Washington Examiner, he's got a piece out about uh, Trump and some uh, advice that I think would be a good idea. And uh, I'll make this short before before you dial for your knob if you don't want to hear anything about uh, the presidential election that is three and a half years away. No, it'll begin in like six months. That's true. That's true. I mean, the minute the the, uh, midterms are over. Yep, absolutely true. Um, About how Trump still seems to be, at least at his rallies, pretty obsessed with the 2020 election, haranguing audience with long audiences with long numbers filled diatribes about this many votes in Arizona, this many votes in Georgia, this many votes wherever Pennsylvania, and going on and on about that. And uh, Byron York thinks if he can't move on, 2020 is going to become a bore to people while Joe Biden is opening the door wide open to attack him on the border, the economy, the Afghanistan, a bunch of different COVID stuff for the, you know, the Republican crowd. I mean, just absolutely laying out here a bunch of things that all polling shows are a majority win against me joe biden is doing and and trump's not seizing on that he's still arguing about the last election and you know he goes with his gut it's made him a billionaire and president and a tv star but i I just can't think he's he couldn't be more wrong about this if he was i mean he got elected maybe the primary thing was his border stuff about taking Mm -hmm. on illegal immigration and joe biden's handing him on a silver platter Look, things were better under my policies. I'm going to do something about it. You know, instead of standing up there and saying 80,000 votes in Arizona, stand up there and talk about the 700,000 people that have snuck in in the last month or two months, whatever, across the border. Do that. Yeah, he has mountains of material. He could just rerun his 2016 campaign. Just rerun campaign videos, read from his own speeches, just redo 2016 and win in a landslide. And, of course, hammering Afghanistan and how we got out of there. Of course, there's also the possibility that he has no intention of running, and the only thing he wants to do is to instill in people's mind that he got ripped off 
and uh, you know to just to continue that brand for the rest of his life as a civilian because he doesn't plan to run. That's possible. Well, that's my that's my uh, belief that he's just building his brand and keeping attention on himself, and mm. that his brand is winning, always winning. You'll will win so much you'll get tired of winning, and he can't take that he lost. The, Go ahead, write your angry emails. Go ahead. So you think that he doesn't want to be president because he's got a shot? I think he's by far the most likely person to win the nomination, and then uh, if if Biden runs again and is at thirty eight percent. And uh, the, the the progressives don't like him, and the people that thought, well, he's better than Trump, and a lot of people have decided, nah, no, he's not, like a lot of independents have decided. Um, I don't know. I think Trump's got a solid shot at winning. So, Well, Biden won't run again because he's too damn old mm-hmm. and senile. Um, and uh, and try, I don't think Trump will run because I think by that time and at that age that he's got to make a decision, it just won't seem that appealing to him to go through the, you know, the, the hell of being president again. Mm. Um, I could be wrong. You're absolutely right about his ability to win the nomination. Um, we'll have to wait and see. It would surprise the heck out of me if he ran. Joe Biden, there's no chance he runs. True international average pressure. As I've said, I, I've been willing to wager a substantial sum of money that he doesn't finish his term. So he steps down voluntarily. And, and because what happens here? When? When? Has After it, two years and a day, right? When's the last time a sitting president didn't run? LBJ, I guess. Because he thought he would lose, though. I don't know. We'll see. We got oh, plenty th- of time. At the point Joe Biden forgets he's the president, that's when he's going to decide not to run again. And that day is coming soon. If you miss an hour, get the podcast at armstrongandgetty.com. Armstrong and Getty.